Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Tech Meme Right Home for Tuesday, July 14th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, SoftBank looks like it might want to unload ARM. So let me blow your mind for a second. What if Apple bought ARM? The UK has completely flip-flopped on Huawei, now going full ban. Is Google the next in line to invest in Reliance Geo? And Amazon has unveiled a cashier-negating shopping cart. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. I usually don't lead with rumors because rumors are speculative and oftentimes they don't pan out, but this hits a bunch of my buttons, so hear me out. Sources are saying that SoftBank is exploring either a full or partial sale of the chipmaker ARM, which SoftBank bought four years ago for $32 billion. If it can't sell ARM to a third party, SoftBank might spin it off via an IPO, but, quoting the Wall Street Journal, SoftBank has previously indicated it could return ARM to public markets at some point. Such a move has gained urgency, however, as SoftBank seeks to raise cash from its varied stable of assets to mollify activist investor Elliott Management Corp., which has been agitating for changes at the company. SoftBank has said it plans to sell up to $41 billion in assets to prop up its struggling portfolio and buy back its own shares, which have traded at a steep discount relative to net asset value. It has a grab bag of assets to choose from. In addition to ARM and roughly $20 billion worth of T-Mobile shares it recently sold, SoftBank also owns large stakes in Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba and a leading Japanese cell phone provider, end quote. So on the one hand, this rumor interested me because, again, it looks like Masasan is considering selling things just to raise cash to shore up various balance sheets surrounding recent investments that have not panned out. The Vision Fund, for example, holds a 25% stake in ARM all by its lonesome. And as just mentioned, SoftBank recently agreed to sell about $21 billion of its stake in T-Mobile after merging with Sprint, again, to raise much-needed cash. As Christopher D. Long tweeted, ARM is the future. SoftBank made so many terrible decisions that they may have to sell an asset likely to see significant appreciation over the coming years, end quote. But what's also interesting to me here is you would have to consider that ARM would be an asset that basically everyone might be interested in, assuming, of course, an acquisition could pass regulatory muster. Like, I can't believe that SoftBank got away with snapping up ARM four years ago, because strategically, wouldn't owning ARM be a major coup for basically everyone at this point? Everyone or anyone? I know that ARM is only the chip IP, it's not the plants and such, but still... And here's where it gets even more interesting. This is reporting from CNBC. SoftBank has been preparing to spin out ARM in an IPO, but has recently begun exploring sale options after receiving interest from an outside party, said two people who asked not to be named because the discussions are private, end quote. Aha. 
So who might this outside party be? As CNBC notes, quote, few companies could afford to buy all of ARM without intense regulatory scrutiny. ARM has found a niche as a neutral designer of the microprocessors that works with many of the largest equipment manufacturers, including the majority of the world's smartphones. Apple, Samsung, and Qualcomm all use ARM technology in various ways, end quote. Yes, but for reasons that are completely obvious, all of those companies would love to own ARM if they could, and certainly Apple among them could afford to buy the whole kit and caboodle, at least strictly from a dollars and cents angle. As Zach Kukoff tweeted, if only there were a tech company making a move to ARM Silicon with a huge pile of cash lying around, end quote. Yes, what if Apple could buy ARM for itself? And not just for Macs, because obviously that's not a big enough market to really matter in the end, but if Apple controlled the IP that its chips are going to be based on, and also, just coincidentally, the IP that most phone chips in the world are based on, that would be quite something, wouldn't it? Which is why, from a regulatory standpoint, it probably can't happen. But still, just imagine it. And also, imagine the strategic opposite. Imagine if an Apple rival could get controlling interest in ARM. To what degree would Apple feel threatened by that? I mean, you would have to imagine that when Apple cut its licensing deals, it cut some sort of deal in perpetuity, or the deal had a clause about transfer of controlling interests or something like that. But quoting M.G. Siegler, a.k.a., hey, Apple, those are some nice ARM-based chips you announced the other day. It would be a shame if something happened to them, end quote. The UK has completely flip-flopped on Huawei. The United Kingdom says it will now bar telecom companies from purchasing new equipment from Huawei and give those same companies until 2027 to completely remove Huawei technology from their 5G networks. You might remember that the UK has been back and forth on this whole Huawei thing a couple of times now, while the US has all along been strident in ramping up pressure on Huawei especially with regards to telecom networking gear, the UK initially signaled that it would be okay with going ahead and continuing to use Huawei tech, at least in a limited capacity. But now, quoting the Wall Street Journal, the U-turn followed a new review by the UK's National Cybersecurity Center, part of the nation's GCHQ Electronic Intelligence Agency, triggered by the US export bans in May. The swift policy reversal played out during the coronavirus pandemic. Ed Brewster, a spokesman for Huawei UK, said the decision, quote, threatens to move Britain into the digital slow lane, end quote, urging the government to reconsider. He said the new US restrictions wouldn't have affected the security of the products supplied to the UK. Canada remains the lone country in the so-called Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance, which also includes the US, UK, Australia, and New Zealand, that has yet to decide whether Huawei equipment can be used in the domestic 5G network. The long phase-out of Huawei gear suggests the government has listened to British telecoms executives who argued that imposing a rapid deadline to tear out Huawei gear from their networks would lead to coverage blackouts for customers, cost billions of pounds, and delay the introduction of 5G. Senior executives from Vodafone and BT told Parliament committees last week that a five- to seven-year time frame would be needed to remove Huawei equipment to avoid disruption. Share prices of both companies rose after the announcement. A group of conservative lawmakers has been pressing the government to remove the equipment at a faster pace, end quote. Meanwhile, though, Huawei reported earnings yesterday, 
and posted revenue of $64.88 billion for the first half of 2020, which means revenue was actually up 13.1% year over year, despite all of the sanctions that the U.S. and others have imposed, and despite even the disruptions caused by the global pandemic. In fact, Huawei's consumer business still contributed around 56% of its total revenue. So Huawei is weathering all of this just fine? Quoting TechCrunch, Though Huawei does not break down its regional sales, it's reasonable to expect China to be its bedrock of growth as it stumbles abroad. The company and its local competitor, ZTE, which is also on the U.S. trade blacklist, divide up the bulk of 5G base station contracts from China's main carriers. The network operators have also agreed to procure 5G phones from Huawei, which would naturally give the company a boost in sales, end quote. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Whenever I need to do financial research for this show, for instance, during tech earnings season, when I have to analyze how various companies' stocks have been performing, I only ever turn to our sponsor today, Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They are the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. I know, I know. Every time I think I'm out with Reliance Geo, they pull me back in. Sources are telling Bloomberg that Google is in advanced talks to invest as much as $4 billion in Reliance Industries' geo platforms, and an announcement of such an investment could come as soon as the next few weeks, quoting Bloomberg. Should the talks with Google result in a deal that would further burnish Geo's credentials in its push to upend online retail, content streaming, digital payments, education, and healthcare in a market of more than a billion people? Global technology leaders from Facebook to Intel are looking for multiple ways to grab a slice of the Indian market where millions of first-time internet users are added every month. Geo Platforms, which boasts almost 400 million customers through its wireless network, offers the largest base of such users who are increasingly buying consumer goods online and downloading music and video using cheap smartphones and Geo's own cut-price data services, end quote. So add Google to the list of everyone and their mother looking for a stake, as I said yesterday, any stake, no matter how small, in Reliance Geo. At this point, Reliance has unloaded 25.2% of itself for an ante of nearly $16 billion in total, 
What I did not know is that all of this swarm of activity has boosted the stock price of parent company Reliance. Reliance's stock has more than doubled from its March 23rd low and has made Mukesh Ambani, already India's richest man, even richer. In fact, quoting Bloomberg again, the stock surge has also helped Ambani, Asia's richest man, to break into the exclusive club of the world's 10 wealthiest people. With a net worth of $72.4 billion, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index, the titan has rocketed past Elon Musk, Google co-founders Larry Page and Sergey Brin, as well as legendary investor Warren Buffett in the past few days to become sixth on the list, end quote. But while Reliance Geo has been the main vector into this story, the overall point of this story is that everyone increasingly sees India as the last big untapped market, at least for modern tech stuff. Everyone has seen how other Asian societies have jumped right from not even having internet at all to being fully connected and having basically the entire economic activity of a market run through apps and smartphones with basically no intermediate steps. Everyone senses that this is either happening right now or on the cusp of happening right now in India. And they all went in. Further proof of this, Walmart is leading an additional $1.2 billion investment in India's Flipkart, looking to increase its already majority stake and thereby valuing Flipkart at $24.9 billion post-money. It was just two years ago that Walmart ponied up $16 billion for that majority stake, quoting Bloomberg. The American retail group said the fresh capital would help Flipkart, which was valued at $20.8 billion two years ago, further grow its e-commerce marketplace in India as the world's second largest internet market begins to recover from COVID-19. A group of other existing investors also participated in the new financing round, a Flipkart spokesperson told TechCrunch, but declined to identify them individually. Flipkart which competes with Amazon in India, said its monthly active customers figure surged 45% in the financial year that ended in March this year compared to the year before, and these customers are making 30% more transactions. The 13-year-old firm said it recently surpassed 1.5 billion visits per month. The new capital infusion comes at a time when a new powerful player has started to make inroads in the Indian e-commerce market. Geomart, a joint venture between Reliance Retail, India's largest retail chain, and Geo Platforms, India's largest telecom operator, launched earlier this year in select suburban areas of Mumbai and has since expanded to more than 200 cities and towns across the nation, end quote. So see, you can look at all of this as not only everyone wanting to get into the Indian market, and also Walmart looking to go sideways against Amazon in India, but also now, this whole story is becoming a direct reaction to what's happening with Reliance Geo in particular. It's all connected, people. Amazon has unveiled the Dash Cart a smart shopping cart which links with your Amazon account and then tracks the items that you place inside the cart so you can check out without need for a cashier. Quoting The Verge, It's equipped with a touchscreen and other various hardware components to automatically detect what items you're placing inside and even how many of those items you've picked up off the shelf. When you're done shopping, you're allowed to take the cart through a special lane that checks you out digitally without requiring a human cashier to ring you up. The Dash Cart is coming first to Amazon's grocery store in the Woodland Hills neighborhood of Los Angeles. 
That store, first confirmed last year, is not an Amazon Go store, meaning it does not have the cameras, sensors, and other equipment built into the ceiling for automatically detecting items you take off the shelves. Instead, this is your standard everyday grocery store, only it has smart Amazon-made grocery carts for you to use. The store is up and running for fulfilling online grocery orders, but the physical space isn't open to the public. Amazon says it's aiming to open the store later this year. The store joins Amazon's network of existing Whole Foods locations and its larger format Amazon Go grocery store that opened in Seattle back in February. It's not clear why Amazon is opting for a more traditional store, given it's more than two dozen Go stores and a planned second Go grocery in the works for the Redmond area of Washington. On the one hand, it could be that the Go model is hard to scale at the size necessary for a full-service grocery store. The Go grocery in Seattle is on the smaller side, while the new Woodland Hills location is reportedly at the site of a former Toys R Us, which is certainly much larger. There's also the privacy question, though, and whether the Go format's tracking and surveillance approach is maybe not as palatable as a smart shopping cart a consumer must opt in to use, end quote. Finally, let's end today with some news for the developers out there. Google Cloud has debuted confidential VMs which will keep data encrypted while in use, as well as assured workloads for governments, which will help those entities meet compliance requirements. Quoting ZDNet, The new tools are chiefly designed for industries with stringent security needs, such as the public sector, healthcare, and financial services. However, executives stress that confidential VMs and assured workloads for government are tools that represent structural changes to the entire Google Cloud platform, rather than simply bolted-on capabilities. Google Cloud already encrypts data at rest and in transit. Confidential VMs, meanwhile, currently in beta, will offer memory encryption to keep workloads isolated. They're based on a foundational new technology powered by a combination of Google's software IP with AMD hardware. After working closely with AMD to ensure memory encryption wouldn't significantly interfere with workload performance, Google says the performance metrics of confidential VMs are close to those of non-confidential VMs. Assured workloads for government, meanwhile, enables compliance professionals to more easily create controlled environments where U.S. data location and personnel access controls are automatically enforced. The personnel access controls limits which Google support employees can access your data based on factors such as citizenship, geographical access location, or background checks. The service meets the security and compliance standards required by the Defense Department, the FBI's Criminal Justice Information Services Division, and the Federal Risk and Authorization Management Program. The tool is currently available in private beta in U.S. cloud regions only." But that's not all, devs. Also from Google Cloud, let me introduce you to BigQuery Omni, which lets developers query data that sits in multiple clouds, even if those clouds are direct Google competitors. Right now, you'll only be able to do it with Google Cloud and AWS, but Azure support is coming later, quoting TechCrunch. Google has long said that it believes that multi-cloud is the future something that most of its competitors would probably agree with, though they would all obviously like you to use their tools, even if the data sits in other clouds or is generated off-platform. It's the tools and services that will help businesses to make use of all this data, after all, and that's where different vendors can differentiate themselves from each other. Maybe it's no surprise then, given Google Cloud's expertise in data analytics, that BigQuery is now joining the multi-cloud fray. Today's announcement is also a good example of how Google's bet on 
Anthos is paying off by making it easier for the company to not just allow its customers to manage their multi-cloud deployments, but also to extend the reach of its own products across clouds. This also explains why BigQuery Omni isn't available for Azure yet, given that Anthos for Azure is still in preview while AWS support became generally available in April." End quote. Nothing for you today, but I will outline the details of the listener call-in episode at the end of tomorrow's show. Still scheduled for this weekend, if we can pull it off, so look out for that. But in the meantime, we do have a classified ad from a fellow listener, so listen to this. And remember, if you'd like to buy a classified ad for yourself to shout out a project or promote yourself to fellow listeners, you can do that at ridehome.info forward slash classifieds. What fits perfectly with amazing technology solutions? Amazing customer service. Is your company searching for its next customer service leader? If so, visit customerservice.fun. There you will find a fellow Ride Home listener who is a seasoned and excited customer service executive looking for their next dream gig. You'll find a customer service operations fanatic and nationally recognized customer service leader who spent their entire career building and leading exceptional service and support teams by bringing together the best people, processes, and technology. So if your company is searching for a customer service leader, or if you would just like to chat about the fun world of customer service and customer experience with someone who is also interested in technology news, visit customerservice.fun and send a message. That's customerservice.fun.